Bishus HaRav, the Presidente, and a very special happy birthday to Rabbi Shapiro, Rabbeinu. You should have a long, happy, healthy life, and we should all celebrate this, not this day, it was a few days ago, but we should all celebrate this month because um, of all the things the Rav does for us, coming to all the bring and, and teaching us Torah, and um, teaching us uh, how to serve Hashem properly, so thank you, Rabbi Shapiro, happy birthday. So this week's Parsha, Parsha's Chai Sarah. So Rashi says that when Sarah Imenu heard of the news that Avraham bound Yitzchak, her soul left her body. When she heard what was going to happen, she just couldn't take that, that, that her son was going to be slaughtered, the one that she, she didn't even believe that she was going to have a son, right, according to the son of Arshim. And here she had a beautiful son, amazing son, and now her husband was going to go and, and, and sacrifice him. She couldn't handle it. But Rashi also later explains that Sarah's level of nevuah was on a higher level than Avraham's. How do we learn this? Sarah tells Avraham to send away Hagar and Yishmael. And of course, this concerned Avraham. Well, I'm going to send away my son? But God reassured Avraham by saying, Listen to everything Sarah says, for it's through Yitzchak that offspring shall be continued for you. Listen to everything Sarah says. So Rashi says from here, we infer that Avraham's level of nevuah wasn't as great as Sarah's. He wasn't seeing something that she saw. So with that in mind, this reframes the way we should look and understand Sarah's reactions from her laughing at, oh, I'm going to have another son, I'm going to have a son, to her reaction when hearing about Yitzchak being bound. We perceive them as purely emotional responses to these circumstances, but someone greater than Avraham and Nevuah for sure was not reacting purely out of emotion. This is someone with a deep understanding, very, very deep understanding, very close connection to the Ravonah Shalom, and someone who, who probably knew what was going to happen before it happened. Says the Or Chaim HaKadosh, the Parsha opens with Vayiyuchai Sarah, and then at the end of the Pasuk it repeats, these were the years of, of Sarah's life. Says the Orachayim, Sarah had already lived out the years allotted to her by God. 127 years. That was her limit. The Akedah was the incentive for her neshama to leave her at that moment. What does that mean? Says the Maggid of Kuznets, Sarah had an extreme desire, due to her tremendous level of Kedusha, to join her son in his Mesiras Nefesh, in his willingness to sacrifice himself for the Rabbonah Shalom, she too was like, wow, I, I want to go out like that. I was here 127 years. This is, this is the way I want to go out. Mesir Stefesh. So God said, go 100%. This is how you want it. No, 100% you deserve it. So it wasn't that she was shocked and, 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 uh, and couldn't handle what was happening. It was that this is how she, she wanted to do, as her son had the schus to do. Is to is to um, you know be nifter al kedush Hashem. She wanted to do the same thing, but But there's something missing from this explanation because yes, sorry, Menu, she was a giant, of course. What about Yitzchak? Yes, he, he understood that her time was up probably, and that, that she left this world in the way she wanted to. Fine, but you miss your mother. Something is invariably missing in your life. There's an incompleteness, and it's no coincidence that following her death, the first order of business. Of course, after Avram purchased Marasa Machpelah and buried Sarah, the, next, the first order of business was to find Yitzchak's shidduch, to find him a 
Zivug, the person that completes him. And so Eliezer goes, and Rivka, the Tzadikas, is there taking care of his camels. And boom, she's the one. And he, he procures her and, he, and makes his return. And, and straight out of a movie, Yitzchak is going into the fields amongst the trees, L'siach, to, to pray, to meditate. And of course, right then he looks up and in the distance he sees this convoy of camels heading in his direction. And Rivka looks up and she sees him standing in the field and she's so struck by his holiness, she mamish falls off the camel. And they marry and what happens? It's a beautiful moment. Yitzchak gets to know her and gets to the point where he's like, I'm going to take you into my mother's tent. Why is he doing this? Sarah's no longer alive, and yet her tent is even... Why is her tent still there? And, and, and he goes and brings Rivka into the tent. Why does he bring Rivka into the tent? So says the Ramban, Yitzchak didn't take his mother's tent down after her death. It was a form of, of kavod. It was to honor her, and, and he said that no other woman should ever enter into this tent. It was almost like a monument. Not really, but it was almost like this... Monument of Tsara. Nobody on earth can replace such a giant, a giant like my dear mother. That was Yitzchak's thinking. He, was so, he, he had such reverence towards her. Not only loved her, but you can see how much he admired this, the, the qualities of this, of, of this person. So there was a big void. But when he met Rivka, he said, Wait a minute, stop the presses. This is the one. In her, I see the very same qualities that Sarah had, the qualities that the wife of the son of Avraham has to have. She's worthy of being brought into the tent of my dear mother. So it was really this moment of filling the void for Yitzchak with this incredible woman that he met and was going to take for himself. This was a moment of, of really a full circle moment for Yitzchak of filling that void that was left by his mother. So there were three miracles that occurred in Sarah's tent while she was alive. One, there was a light burning constantly 24-7 in her tent, miraculously. Number two, there was always a cloud hanging over the tent. And number three, there was always a miraculous increase in the dough. When Rivka entered the tent, another Hollywood moment. When she walked into the tent, the candle that was extinguished when Sarah died, reignited. The cloud that had departed when she was nifter, it came back. And then the dough that dissipated had begun to multiply again when she walked in. And in that moment, Yitzchak received the equivalent of, of a warm hug from his mother, from the Rabboni Shalom. He felt his mother's presence again. He was comforted by that. And by the sign, he just received that Rivka is the one. And really one of the takeaways here is that well, these are human beings. The Avos, of course, were giants. But these are also human beings. And human beings also have emotions, have needs. And to see over here that the Rabboni Shalom takes care of them. He didn't have to call us those miracles to reoccur when Rivka entered the tent. But he saw Yitzchak, he was grieving his mother and wanted to give him comfort in such an epic way. But this nace didn't occur in a vacuum. Yitzchak went through a tremendous challenge, sacrificing himself for God's will. It's a, it's a big deal. And a lot of people get very, very hung up on this. So how can Yitzchak, how can Avraham bind him up to kill him? And how can such a thing? It was a, it was a big deal. Without overcoming the tests and challenges, it's unlikely that we can experience this level of Ava and Menucha that Yitzchak experienced over here. There needs to be challenges and difficulties. And on a deeper level, perhaps we can say that three Yitzchak's test of the Akezat Yitzchak, on a practical level, perhaps he learned what love is through that test. Meaning, true love is Simtsum. 
It's nullifying the self to a degree for the will and the sake of the other. In the case of Akedah Zitzchak, for the will and the sake of Hashem. Says the Kedushas Levi in, in, in his commentary to the Pasuk that Yitzchak married Rivka and he loved her. It says he loved her. There's two kinds of love. The first kind of love is like the way you love pizza. You don't care about pizza. You just like eating it. It's for you. It's to fulfill your own desires. And then there's a love like Yitzhak had for Rivka. A love based on providing for the other, appreciating the other, giving yourself for the other. And so after that test of the Akedas Yitzhak, there was maybe a void as well from that test because he didn't have, he, he understood on a deep level, ah, to give of yourself. That's what it's all about. To give of yourself for the other. But now he didn't have anywhere to direct that love. Of course, he had the Rabbonu Shalom, but in the physical world, he didn't have anywhere to direct that love. And then Rivka came, and now he had someone to channel that love towards. But this deep connection is, is it's something earned. To end off, going longer than usual, to end off, to end off on the Chasm Sofer, a very interesting idea. He says there's two words for flower. Kemach, which is coarse. It's not, not refined. It's very coarse flour. And solet, which is fine, sifted multiple times. It's very fine flour. Avraham used both. It's a, the, the, the Torah used both words when Avraham was bringing bread uh, to the Malachim in last week's Parsha. So the question is, which one did he bring? Did he bring the Malachim who came to his tent after he had a brismila? Did he bring them the Kemach type of bread? Coarse, not refined, or, or solet? The Gemara says Avram wanted have them to have sole from the uh, bread from, from uh, fine flour. I want them to have the finest type of bread. Sarah said, let them have kemach. Let them just have unrefined. You know, Sarah's the one who's in the kitchen. Avram probably came in. Let's make them the, the, the most fine. And, and Sarah was probably like, you know, it's a lot of work. Let's just do kemach. But no, the chasm so far brings down from here. Then on a spiritual level, the bread represents Torah. Torah is the ultimate bread of the neshama, the nourishment of the soul. And there's two types of Torah learning, solet and kemach. Solet is when you are given definite conclusions, when you know exactly what the halacha is, what you're supposed to do, everything's clear. Kemach is the difficult process of working, trying to figure it out. The Chassam Sofer wants to say that in a spiritual level, the Machlaikas, the Sarah and Avram have over here is which type of Torah is better. That's really what's going on. Avraham is saying there should be a Torah of clarity without any uh, lack of clarity, without any ambiguity. No questions can be asked about anything. And Sarah argues, no, the spiritual power of Torah comes from the effort you have to spend in learning it and applying it. That's how you develop the relationship with Torah and with God is the effort, is, is putting out everything you can to understand it and to give of yourself to it. It sounds like she's saying, don't give them the answers. It sounds cruel almost. But ultimately, that effort, is, is, it, it results in a much stronger bond. The more you invest in something, the deeper your relationship with it is. And it's a really deep idea over here. And it's the same idea with Yitzchak. The more you invest, the deeper the relationship is, the truer the relationship is. So really, the same goes with Torah, the same goes with people, the same goes with Rebbe Shalom, whether it's uh, your spouse, your siblings, your friends, or whatever. The more you put into something, the deeper your connection is going to be with that thing. So we should all be Zoha to really have deep relationships and really give of ourselves. That's going to be the most fulfilling thing. And really, that's how we're going to deepen our, our, and strengthen our relationship with Torah, with our people, and with God. Everyone should have an amazing Shabbos.